This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI Senior Writer Al Castle. Back once again, going to be joined in just a moment by my co-host, Brian Solomon. We've got lots to discuss. Uh, It's the first we've talked since AEW's big all-out show, Uh, so we talk a bit about our thoughts on that. A show that, uh, as we go into in more detail, maybe didn't receive as much universal praise as most AEW uh, big pay-per-view shows do, and we give our own thoughts on the show. Uh, And then also we chat a bit about uh, the controversy coming out recently with WWE's decision to kind of crack down on third-party endorsement deals, kind of outside uh, business dealings, side hustles, maybe you want to call them, that some of the talent has. Uh, There was a big backlash about that, whether uh, with some folks uh, wondering whether WWE uh, maybe overstepping uh, their authority, uh, considering that their talent are, uh, at least supposedly, uh, independent contractors, and Brian and I uh, talk about kind of the pros and cons, maybe trying to look at it from WWE's point of view, what their concerns are, maybe what's behind this, and uh, was there a better way to handle this? And uh, spoiler alert, yes, we both think there was a better way uh, to handle it. Uh, and then uh, we got a fun discussion. Our guest this week is comes from the independent wrestling world, and he is the owner, proprietor of the East Coast Wrestling Association, the ECW and uh, this coming Saturday, September 19th in New Jersey, they're hosting the 24th annual ECWA Super 8 Tournament. Now, if you're a fan uh, of independent wrestling, or really wrestling in in general over the last 30 years, uh, the Super 8 Tournament should very much be on your radar, uh, one of the most kind of storied and prestigious uh, wrestling tournaments uh, in the independent scene. If you look at uh, who the winners have been over the years, not just the winners, but the participants, it, it really reads like a, a who's who of future wrestling stars. Uh, they really have had an eye for, uh, again, the stars of tomorrow, and even in recent years have continued to uh, be able to do that. I kind of called an audible, bumped some guests that we uh, had lined up when I realized that this was coming up uh, this Saturday, and and. What's interesting to me is just live wrestling going on in, in the Northeast. It's been a, lot, a long time uh, since we've seen it. Uh, and as I mentioned to Joe in my interview, it occurred to me uh, this week that this might be the first time in more than 25 years that uh, I'll probably go a year without watching wrestling live. Uh, unless that is, I make the drive uh, to New Jersey next week for the Super 8, which might happen. Uh, but we talk about that, the decision to... Uh, put on the show. It was uh, rescheduled uh, a few times. Uh, obviously, all kinds of concerns about running a live event uh, indoors, which is what they're doing uh, here in the Northeast. But um, he talks about some of the precautions that they've taken and um, other ways that you could see. Even if, even if you're not in the building, uh, you could check it out uh, live streaming. Uh, so stay tuned for that interview. Uh, Right now, let me tell you about the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It is one of our biggest, if not our biggest issue of the year. Yes, the 30th. Is that right? Yes, I believe that's right. The 30th uh, annual 
PWI 500 started in 1991, so yes, here in 2020. It is the 30th uh, installment. John Moxley, AEW champion, is on the cover. He is this year's number one ranked wrestler in the PWI uh, 500. got to say, the reviews we've been getting so far uh, for this issue have been very, very good. Uh, absolutely with a new leadership in place and PWI. A different tone, a different direction. Uh, with the, this year's list, uh, I know it's caused some, some confusion, uh, if only because uh, fans are seeing uh, uh, women in there. And uh, it, it hasn't been an out-and-out -out combination uh, of, of the Women's 100 and the PWI 500, uh, but there was more latitude this year in allowing women onto the list. Um, certainly if, you know, they, they were uh, involved in a lot of intergender, uh, inter intergender wrestling matches and found success there. Uh, it only made sense that uh, women should receive the same credit as their male counterparts for wrestling the same competition. Uh, so, and, and lots of other, uh, I think, new directions with the PWI 500, certainly uh, kind of a sign of the times issue. And you don't want to miss it. Uh, tons and tons of coverage uh, of the 500 here in this issue. I counted up just my contributions uh, to, to the magazine. I think I wrote something like 19 pages, which is just nuts. Uh, and when I think about it, uh, but, but, you know, also, uh, tremendously proud now since 2007, I've been involved in the PWI 500 every year when it comes in the mailbox, mine came this past week. Yeah. I'm just giddy like a kid flipping through it. This issue looks great. The cover is a little bit of a throwback to, uh, an old PWI 500 with Steve Austin on the cover. We kind of sort of had, uh, Moxley, uh, recreate it sort of loosely, uh, and uh, I was really thrilled to see the inside cover, uh, Mox wearing a Pro Wrestling Illustrated t-shirt holding up the number one. Uh, so very cool. You don't want to miss this issue. Uh, go to pwi-online.com. If you order it now, uh, as I said, print issue is out, so you will have it uh, delivered right to your mailbox. If you don't even want to wait that long, you could download the digital edition right away. And really the thing to do is uh, to go ahead and subscribe and make sure you don't miss an issue uh, going forward. We are in our busy season, as I like to say. Uh, there's the 500. We are now, in, in the uh, next couple of weeks, going to put to bed our Women's 100, kind of the female counterpart to the PWI 500. I hope to be interviewing this year's number one ranked uh, women's wrestler uh, this coming week. Uh, no spoilers here, but very excited about uh, talking to her. And uh, after this issue, we might have another surprise uh coming along the way and then before you know it we're doing the year-end awards the achievement awards so you don't want to miss it i mean again even before i was with the magazines and i was just a fan if i didn't have uh that much money there were a few issues that i was sure to pick up every year one was the 500 another one was the achievement uh awards and certainly now the women's 100 uh definitely belongs in that mix so don't miss any of them go to pwi-online.com and pick it up uh, right there on the website. You can also listen to the podcast. You can subscribe to uh, the PWI Weekly, our digital newsletter, completely free, uh, sent to your email inbox uh, every week. Uh, what else can I tell you to do? Please follow us on social media, at official PWI on Instagram and Twitter. We're also on Facebook. We're also on YouTube. We've got uh, some T-shirts that you can pick up at Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, dot com, uh, the iconic PWI t-shirt like Mox is wearing in the latest PWI, uh, but some other fun ones too. Also some uh, new PWI 500 shirts uh, that, that are a lot of fun. 
And uh, what else? You can drop us a line here at pwi at capitalpublishing.com. That's for uh, all things PWI. If you got something specifically for the podcast, you can send it to PWI podcast at outlook.com. Uh, right now, I'm going to take you to my discussion with Brian. Um, I should uh, mention, had a little bit of technical difficulties. Uh, so, as they used to say, uh, this conversation is picked up in progress. There were some high points for me that, honestly, I would say kind of saved the show for me. I mean, I would say the MJF Moxley main event was outstanding. I loved it. I, I, I thought it was uh, an incredible match. And, and I think the two of those guys did an amazing job. One of the best finishes, personally, that I can remember seeing in a long time. And it, it was a great way to end the show because, as you notice, you know, when a show ends really strong, sometimes it'll make you forgive a lot of the things that happened before it, you know, and you don't always remember some of the sloppier stuff, um, like the, you know, the, the tooth and nail match, shall we say, and things like that. <laughs> Um, it takes your mind off that. So overall, I mean, I enjoyed it. There were definitely some dead spots for me, but it did not meet the standard of what I've come to expect from AEW. I mean, I happen to really love their product, and it and it didn't meet the standard for me. Yeah. So again, I I think that this show more than than others um, highlighted some of their their worst tendencies, and I think AEW is at its weakest when it comes off as a company that is run by wrestlers. And, and the irony is that that's also its strength. Right. Um, but yeah, you, sometimes you get the sense of here's a company that needs an editor, you know, a, a real, or, or somebody to kind of lay down the law and say, no, every match can't go 35 minutes. Um, and just need some, I, I remember having this conversation with, uh, Gabe Sapolsky, who I guess that he's also in the news for for kind of getting out of the wrestling business, but um, in in the the sort of heyday of Ring of Honor when he was still running things, um, and I went to a Ring of Honor show, and all good action, but I remember the main event going, goodness, it had to be forty minutes, and it was a fine main event, but it was like a tag team. It was like a show on Long Island, like Daniel Bryan and maybe Eric Stevens versus I don't know who else. I mean, it was just like not that big a deal. Endless, just near fall after near fall after big move, big move, near fall, big move, big move, near fall. And just after a while, I was so numb like it. And you get to the point that's like, all right, all right, just get this over with. And to me, that's indie wrestling kind of at its worst. And AEW at its worst shows some of those tendencies, and I felt some of that throughout the night. Um, when you've got matches that just don't need to go 30 minutes, go, almost everything did. The show in total with the pre-show, I think, was close to five hours. Um, even WWE is not doing that uh, these days. Um, so did, did you feel any of that, that, that again, maybe needed some, some editing? Yeah, definitely. Um, it is. It's funny. It is some of those indie tendencies, kind of on a larger scale, where it, it, you almost feel like they, there's only one type of match that they know how to put on, 
You know, it's like, well, every match has to be the end of the world, like you said, with 45 near falls and one stuff. And I, I think um, a, a, as an older fan with perspective, I blame uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels for this because <laughs> because I feel like as a WWF fan, that was the beginning of seeing these like really c- expecting to see on a big show these huge marathon athletic type of wrestling matches where, sure, if you were watching in other territories, you certainly saw more of that. But on a national level with the WWF, you didn't really get that with Hogan and Savage and the Warrior, especially Warrior and Hogan and things like that. You didn't get that kind of match. You got a match or Andre the Giant. It was more a spectacle of a match in the main event. So I think the, the, the fans came to expect that. And now it's gotten to the point where, like you say, every match is like everybody's trying to put on this incredible, amazing clinic and show you every move that they have. There is a lot of that. And one thing I want to point out with AEW is one thing I I still have an issue with is their tag team matches are just it's just chaos every time. And I don't I'm not trying to sound like an old fart, but the the tag team matches are they're very hard to follow because it's just the 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 in and out of the ring the psychology the, the, the you know there the, nobody's enforcing the the five count which they've turned into a ten count on, on you know double teaming nobody's even enforcing it there's no tag ropes to keep guys in the corner it's just one giant schmoz and you get a little tired of seeing that like I with the with the dark order six man tag you know I I was I was I'll be very frank I'm I'm zoning out watching that and the and even the um, the 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 Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy uh, Young Bucks that was the, the 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 tag match that a lot of people were high on. I had the same issues with that. I I did enjoy the FTR the tag title match with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. I thought that was well put together. But um, they have a in my estimation they have a tag team problem. Not in the sense of their division because they have strong talent. But in the actual matches they're putting on, they really whoever is is agenting and producing that, that's a thing that needs to be worked on. Because yeah, that was it, it. Just makes the show sloppy and messy and overly long. In my you know, it, it, it's interesting because I think they look at their division as one of their strengths, and um, you know, it, it's clear that they they certainly prioritize tag team wrestling over WWE, and they take pride in it. I mean, I think they they think of themselves as kind of um, you know, a 1987 Crockett kind of uh, a territory where you had all these amazing teams, um, you know, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express. And uh, and, and there, there is a lot of that uh, going on. But, uh, yeah, I think you touch on something, which which is with that many people in the ring at the same time, some of those tendencies get even exaggerated, even worse, because now you got four guys who have to get their, you know, what in. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it just tends to sort of unravel and there's the, the, the potential for these really incredible spots and maneuvers. Cause you got four guys, you can do all kinds of wacky teamwork. Uh, but yeah, it just sort of, I don't know. And, and, and to me, I didn't love, um, John Moxley and MJF. I thought it was fine, but I think my reaction to that match uh, and I'm sort of thinking about this as, as we talk, probably had a lot to do with what we saw throughout the night, which which is exactly what what I'm describing and why you don't do it. I was sort of deadened by yeah. the end of the night. And when they and, and MJF, um, you know, I think he takes pride in being kind of an old school wrestler. So that match started off. It wasn't long before, you, you know, 
he slapped the chin lock on, and it was a pretty standard wrestling match um, throughout, and and a good one. But uh, I was sort of numbed by four hours of yeah, like the Young Bucks and and uh, again all these kind of high spot hours throughout the night. Um, it, so it's hard to put on just kind of a standard wrestling match at, at the end of that to, to to punctuate it all. This is where I I, I do think that the bookers and promoters of the past uh, were very wise in the way that they would set up shows. I mean, this is something that I think died probably in the Attitude Era, but where the thinking was your show is building. It's building and building and building till you get to the end. So, like, in the early matches, you would never see even guys go outside the ring or, you know, the first couple of matches very often wouldn't even be that competitive. They might, it might be a squash or a relative squash and things would slowly build as the show went on. And then you'd see, Oh my God, there might be a chair shot or something. And and by the time you got to the main event, all the stops were pulled out. Those guys could do whatever they wanted to put on the, the, the best performance. Cause that was the match that everybody came to see more than anything else. And now it seems to be much more like a package deal. The main event, obviously, is still the most important match usually, but it's much more like it's just another match on the card than it used to be. And so the result is, yes, you get kind of like inundated and overwhelmed, whereas the older way of doing things, of building and building and building, it reduces that, where you actually have a crowd that's more excited by the end of the night instead of having the wind out of their sails by the end of the night. You know, that's the downside of of doing it this way, of hitting people with just too much stuff, too much. Well, what did you think of some of the more kind of um, sports entertainment uh, fair throughout the night, whether it was the, the tooth and nail match in, in the dentist's office or... Um, uh, Jericho and, and Orange Cassidy with the, the mimosa, uh, the pool of mimosa. Uh, I, I like that a little more than well, – I like that a lot more than, than the tooth and nail match. But there is something to be said about kind of the tone. And I, I think some people would, would – you know, it, you could kind of get whiplash from one hand, you know, watching this 35-minute match uh, between FTR and Page and Omega. And then just a few minutes later seeing two guys – trying to dunk each other in a pool. Uh, is, is there room for, for all of it? Does some of it go too far? I think there is room for changes in tone. In fact, I think it's kind of crucial and important because it takes away from that numbing factor and that overwhelming factor. If you have you know different uh, a different tone as the show goes on, you have a match that's more lighthearted and a match that's more serious, I think that's a good thing. You know, but um, again, the mileage may vary and the results may vary. So, like, um, I'm with you a little bit in the sense that that I I enjoyed the Jericho Orange Cassidy stuff a lot more than I did the the tooth and nail um, stuff because I think part of it is carried for me anyway on the personality of the participants. And for me, you know, Jericho can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. Like, like he can do it all. You know, he, he, he can do a match with Cody on the pay-per-view where it's like this intense, like old school wrestling main event. And then he can do this where he's getting dunked in a, in a vada mimosa. And it still works because, you know, you're engaged by him. And you're also engaged by Orange Cassidy in a very different kind of way. Who, who It's just such a unique character. And. It, it, it makes it fun to watch and you can forgive it more. I know it's a negative kind of term to use, but you could kind of forgive it more because in spite of yourself, you're actually laughing and being entertained. At least I am. Whereas with the match in the dentist's office, yeah, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's one of those where 
again, where you go to Twitter and you're wondering, like, is everybody loving this? What's going on? Is this this is clearly wrestle crap by any 1990s definition for me? Like the killer for me is, you know, the dumb stuff like, um, you know, Big Swole is literally trying to murder Britt Baker with a power drill. And the referee just standing there, just calling it like it's like a sleeper hold. You know, I mean, it, 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 you know, I don't care what rules of a wrestling match you've got. You can't attempt to drill a hole in someone's head and have me believe that what I'm watching is real in any way, shape or form. That that kind of stuff just kills it for me. Kill, that that match was definitely the, the worst tendency of these um of these cinematic matches for sure yeah. yeah and and you'd think you know some of the people in power over there you know tony khan who's very much a student of, of wrestling um would know better i mean this feels like the conversation we're having is a conversation that we'd have with him and, and he'd agree so i don't know it's sometimes maybe in the moment people pitch things you don't want to turn them down they sound good on paper and an execution they, they don't work out um i i, I think what probably got more buzz coming out of the show uh, than anything else. You touched on it, uh, was the Matt Hardy match and the really scary incident with him taking that bump, apparently being knocked out unconscious for several seconds and the match being called off and then restarted. And, um, you know, a very bad look, I think, for, for AEW. Thankfully, you know, the, the word is it wasn't all that serious in, in the end. I guess there's even a dispute whether he actually had a concussion or not. Um, but, but it looks like everybody's okay, but, uh, very much concerning and, 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 and disheartening that in 2020, you'd still see something like that, you know, that, that kind of show must go on mentality. And again, I think this goes back to what you were just talking about. This feels like what happens when, when wrestlers are running the place, because I get a, a wrestler wanting to go on, um, you know, and, and throughout history, I feel like um, when wrestlers have shown that toughness, it, it's been held up as like this virtue. You know, think about Triple H wrestling with the, the torn quad and finishing the match and taking the walls of Jericho on, on the table. And, and that sort of made him this hero. And so I think that's a wrestler's mentality. So I'm not surprised that that Matt would want to go on. But but where is that person to say absolutely not? You know, we, we are stopping this right now. It doesn't matter if you think you're okay or not. Um, and I think a lot of people were, were hoping to see that. And I think it hurts AEW uh, in the eyes of some fans that that they uh, didn't make that call. Yeah, that is something that would not have happened on a WWE show, right. in yeah. my view. That would have been the point where they would have stepped in and it did come across as an amateur hour kind of thing. Like who is making the decisions here? You've already decided, you know, we saw, we saw the referee do the cross arm maneuver, which I know sometimes they do it as a work, but I mean, clearly this was real where they're calling someone in and they're, they're stopping the match. And then in this confusing moment, especially for the viewers at home, they're just wandering through the arena. Matt Hardy is clearly disoriented and then the match just continues once they get inside uh, to the point where the announcers were trying to do damage control for the rest of the show, like explain what had just happened and fill people in. And that was um, that was a mess. And I do think that it really hurt the rest of the show. I, th I think it had this weird 
impact on the live audience where the, it, it took a lot of the enthusiasm out. And I think that that was partly responsible for partly responsible for the kind of lack of energy later in the show. Yeah. And I think, you know, you touched on it. I, I think it's so important that AEW doesn't allow for those moments where you can draw the comparison with WWE and determine that, well, WWE absolutely does this better. Right. And, and I think that was that moment. I, I think a lot of people thought that, like, well, this wouldn't happen in WWE. Uh, and as much as they can, they've got to avoid situations mm-hmm. like that where they look like sort of the, the Bush League, you know, uh, uh, counterpart to the major league WWE. Um, one, one other uh, quick item I want to touch on with you. They got some some uh, buzz in recent days and it was uh, WWE putting out uh, the statement saying that. Uh, going forward, they would be limiting how much uh, wrestlers could essentially go into business on their own. And uh, th- this evolved over a few days as, as kind of clarity came out and what was covered and what wasn't covered. But uh, basically, the discussion had to do with certain endorsements, uh, uh, Twitch channels, uh, things like that. I guess WWE's viewpoint is, you know, we're, we're trying to... Um, make some of these deals as as a company and kind of leverage the the strength of the brand and it undercuts them when some of these wrestlers are making their own kind of side deals the flip side of that is of course they're independent contractors or at least they're you know purported to be independent contractors uh, a lot of people drew comparisons with what um we saw in, in ufc years ago where they they told fighters that you couldn't advertise on your trunks anymore you know it, it was a staple of ufc fights for for years, at the end of the uh, the beginning of the fight and the end of the fight, the corners would come out with these big banners and to be promoting some kind of energy drink or something like that. And their their trunks would be covered with all these logos. And UFC put a stop to that when when they um, made a deal with Reebok, and it cost a lot of uh, fighters a, a lot of money. And um, I would think it it could potentially cost a lot of WWE uh, a talent a lot of money. Um, do you think you worked there for a number of years? You know how they they operate. Do you understand WWE side of this? Why maybe they wouldn't be totally okay with with some of these side deals? Well, the side their side of it is very easy to understand because it's a very greedy side. So I mean, we can we can understand why because they're trying to uh, kind of take as much as they can out of their talent. Um, I mean, you you can go all the way back to Sergeant Slaughter and GI Joe. I mean, that was the reason that he left the WWF when he was on fire, potentially even as big or bigger than Hogan in in 84. And he bailed because they wanted his G.I. Joe money. And he was like, no, I made this deal myself. I am a bankable character. And Vince was like, you are you belong to us. We created you, which is even arguable that they did that. So, I mean, this is a longstanding thing with with that company. Uh, While I don't agree with it. I will say that I definitely saw it coming when I saw how talent was kind of having a field day on, you know, TikTok and Twitch and things like that. And not not only even in, for money reasons, but doing things that were very contradictory to their characters or personas and things like that. I'm sure that Vince was not thrilled with that. And I think that was part of the decision, too, to try to control the product and control the way the talent is presented. I don't agree with the move. I don't I, I, I really don't understand how they have a leg to stand on doing it. But I mean, I'm not a legal expert. 
I think things like this and the recent thing we heard about where they're trying to prevent them, where they're trying to claim that they own the rights to them using their real names in the wrestling business. Um, you see things like that and you think, could this be a tipping point where they finally get together and decide to to look into unionization or doing something about this? I mean, there was something that happened on Twitter recently or online where Andrew Yang, who is yeah. – a lot of people know he's a big wrestling fan. He, he has been going on for a while now about some of these ridiculous practices and how they do violate the whole independent contractor thing. And there was an exchange online between um, Andrew Yang and Leia Thompson, the actress from Back to the Future. Many people may know who is, I believe, the president or one of the top people in the Screen Actors Guild who was very interested in this and kind of looking at it like going seriously, they're doing this, you know, almost as if um, something could happen out of this. I mean, that, that may be overly optimistic, uh, but, but it's putting WWE on radars that they don't want to be on. If yeah. you've got, if you've got like legit mainstream politicians and the screen actors guild or other guilds and unions saying, how is this, how, what's going on over there? What are these people doing? That's not going to end well for them at all. So, and 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 now that they have a viable alternative of a place to go work on top of everything else, I mean, it may be time to really let go of that old that old chestnut. Yeah, it really seemed uh, uh, foolish, and and even understanding their motivations, I feel like it could have been handled um, so much better. And and as far as Andrew Young, Andrew Yang, it, you know, it, it it's worth noting that he may very well have. Uh, a role, an important role in a Joe Biden administration. So it might be a 180 degree shift for WWE from kind of being in bed with the president of the United States to having a wrestling fan who might wield some power and, um, you know, maybe give them give them some grief that they haven't had uh, in a while. But I thought, again, and even being a little sympathetic to WWE side of like, you, you create these characters, you, you sort of foster them, and then you got... Uh, you know, some knuckleheads going on Twitch or Cameo and maybe saying more than they should uh, about some stuff. Uh, I understand that. And I understand wanting to rein them in. I think um, there was a more graceful way to do this, which yeah. is, you know, ha put out a memo about some standards, right? I remember some years back, I think they've eased off of this, but 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 you remember when they, you're probably working there at the time, when they instituted a, a dress code. Yeah. And, um, and there was some, uh, uh, I think, people not, not happy about that because all of a sudden you go from being able to travel in whatever sweats or, or, or and, and now they're asking you to put on a shirt and tie. But there were a lot of people understood the side of that is that you're trying to put forth kind of a professional uh, look. And maybe they, they overdid it. Uh, but the, the point is, WWE does have a side to this uh, where I think they came off bad was uh, kind of putting down this hammer and sort of saying, no, you cannot do this. And, and even to the point, as you touched on, raising question as to, to whether they own their own names. And I think they ended up pulling back some on that. But uh, I just think this would have been better handled with by, by put, putting forth, here are some standards, here are some guidelines that we urge you to follow. Be mindful of this, that and this. And and um, and not necessarily make it look like you're you're trying to take money out of their pockets. 
Yeah, it makes me wonder if there's more to this than we had heard. If maybe there were things leading up to this that aren't publicly known. I mean, maybe maybe I'm giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt, but maybe there was a memo. Maybe there were standards. Maybe there was an effort to say, okay, guys, look, just here's some guidelines. And maybe those things were being ignored or flouted. I mean, who knows? It is a very, very um, blunt and, and um, wrongheaded way to approach this, especially if there was no lead up to this. And it seemed to catch a lot of the talent by surprise. There were some people that just couldn't hold back on social media and things. And you can clearly see the frustration of, I think, I think Paige, for example, did something where she changed the name of her Twitch page and she tweeted something out to the effect of like, you know, uh, I don't think so, or something like that, where she was clearly pissed off about what, what had happened. Yeah. I think about um, Xavier Woods. Mm -hmm. He's huge on Twitch, right? And he's got that. Uh, he's one of the main reasons why this happened, actually. Yeah. So does this affect him, too? I mean, is he, is, he, is up, oh, up, down a thing of the past? I would imagine. I mean, I, I think so. I, I think that was one of the main reasons for this even happening was them looking at that and going, are we really OK with having these guys do this? I think that was one of the top causes for this. Wow. Yeah. Because I got to think that's a huge source of revenue for him. Maybe maybe not as much as he's making from WWE, but it's probably pretty comparable. Yeah. Um, and, and to tell a guy who doesn't factor into, well, right now he's, he's, I guess on the sidelines, but even when he's active, doesn't factor that much into your plans that you can't do this anymore, man, that's a good way to, to, to run some talent off, I would think. Um, and, and AEW wasted no time, uh, and all out, you know, having some fun with it and making it clear by all, you know, we invite all this stuff. Come on down, and, and you can do whatever you want over here. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. All right, Brian, I uh, don't want to keep you too long. Thank you so much um, for chatting. We will uh, catch up again in a couple weeks. All right, Al, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as always. I want to thank my co-host, Brian Solomon, once again for a good talk. Uh, right now, here's another good talk I had with the owner of the East Coast Wrestling Association, the ECWA, this coming Saturday, September 19th. They are putting on the 24th annual ECWA Super 8 Tournament. You can watch it uh, streaming at uh, independentwrestling.tv. That's an over-the-top uh, streaming network for lots of uh, great indie shows. Um, that's if you can't be there in person. If you can be there in person and uh, you haven't caught uh, wrestling in a long, long time in person, um, you can go over to ecwawrestling.com um, for information about tickets. They're going to be running limited capacity, um, so get yours before they are gone. Here, uh, once again, is the owner of the ECWA, Joe Zanoli. <laughs> coming up kind of crept up um we postponed it once or twice it was um usually we had the super eight in april so uh last show we had was january 
Um, and we were supposed to, I believe, have March and April. And, you know, March got canceled. And, you know, when this everything happened, we thought nobody knew it was just going to be two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, two months, who knows. And, you know, here we are in September. So, yeah, we haven't had a show since January. Uh, we had a show last December also. So it's it's been a while. Um, the show's actually in Morganville, New Jersey. Morganville. I know on Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook, for some reason, Marlboro comes up when you put that address in. But, but the uh, venue's the dugout in Morganville, New Jersey. And, um, yeah, the decision to have the show, I mean, it's, it's been wait and see this whole time. Right. You know, you know, every day something changes, yeah. but I think some of the things that we're doing and some of the options that we have for this show, um, it's going to make it a show that everybody could see, even if they're not comfortable coming in person, um, in person, there's, there's going to be a, a limit, you know, the, I believe we're at 20% now in New Jersey or 25% based on the capacity of the building. So everyone needs to wear a mask. There's going to be sanitation stations. The, the seats will be um, socially distanced. Um, all the performers, everybody's going to have a mask on except for the performers while they're performing, obviously. Um, you come to the show live. Uh, I, I think there's a certain amount of people that want to, want to go and want to see something live, and there's still some others that maybe have some trepidation. And then there's also people that don't live in the area. So we're also going to be broadcasting it on independent wrestling TV. I don't know if you're familiar with that site, but they have a lot of different independent wrestling promotions on there. So you can watch the show for free with the cost of the uh, membership. I think it's $10 a month. So if you want to see the Super 8, you pay the $10 a month. You watch the Super 8, watch some other wrestling. If you're not happy, you can cancel any time. So it kind of meets... All, all the different needs of the fans that want to see the Super 8, whether, you know, they want to come in person or maybe they're a little leery about coming in person or they're not in the area. So, you know, a couple of different ways you can see it, but we're definitely going to have it set up uh, as safe as possible for the people that are there in person. I would think uh, a couple of things going on. I imagine that there are some of your regular fans that uh, maybe are still not comfortable about watching uh, getting together mm-hmm. with people for a live event, but I imagine uh, to some extent that might be offset by the the, the fans, maybe myself included, depending on what I'm doing uh, this week, uh, who just spend a long time to see a wrestling show, especially if you're here in the Northeast, and the prospect of being right. see one, uh, and, and and one with some significance. I mean, this is uh, I mean, it's fair to say this is probably. The, the biggest independent show in, in the Northeast since the outbreak. Not, not that there's been much of anything uh, around here, but, but I, I don't know what would be uh, bigger than the Super 8, certainly in the, in the tri-state area, uh, since at, at least March. So, so are, are you expecting, maybe hoping to see some new faces that you don't usually see? Well, I, I am, because of the venue change, um, for one, uh, we were having it in Delaware. We were doing our shows in Delaware, but but right now the state of Delaware has a combative sports commission, and they're still not um, taking applications for any shows to run. So we didn't have a choice um, 
where we, we couldn't run in Delaware. So we have Pennsylvania and we have Jersey and, um, you know, we've been working with world one wrestling. That's their home venue up there, the dugout. So it just made sense to have it there. So I think, you know, we may not see some of the regular fans that we normally would from Delaware may see some new fans of, you know, world one wrestling in the area. Do I think it's the biggest event, you know, since the outbreak? I mean, everybody has a different uh, opinion. As far as history goes, I would say it would. I mean, 24 years, it's it's a long time, you know, and there's a lot of guys that have been through it. I mean, there's, there's guys that have made it big on TV that were in the Super 8 18, 20 years ago, you know, so... And a lot, a lot of those guys, actually, this is a whole other tangent I won't get into, but, um, really I, I feel personally ring of honor was born out of the super eight. Um, I know uh, wrestling observer talks a lot about the King of Indies with Loki and Brian Danielson, but, um, all the ring of honor guys, the original guys, Doug Gentry and Gabe Spolsky and Rob Feinstein, they were at those super eights in 2000, 2001, 2002, and they were filming, and uh, I'd say 75% of the locker room on the first Ring of Honor show um, was from those first three years yeah. of, this, of the Super 8. So, um, yeah, it has a lot of history. It's changed over the years. The wrestling landscape has changed. The media has changed. You know, when Jim Kettner ran it, he used to get videotapes from guys. You know what I mean? Looking to be in the tournament where now you just go on your phone and you can see the guy. So back then it was easier, uh, I guess, to say that to kayfabe, where if you brought somebody in, I remember talking to Austin Aries in 2011, we had him, and he came in in 2004. So when I talked to him in 2011 and booked him, he said he had never been outside his home state of Minnesota to wrestle before the first Super 8 in 2004. So... Back then, no one had a way, unless they were tape trading, had a way of knowing these guys. It's a little bit different now. It's a little bit different ball game, but we still try to keep the same spirit of, you know, eight guys, eight good guys, eight guys that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, and giving them a chance to show what they can do to hopefully and potentially a bigger audience. Yeah. So. For people who don't know what the Super 8 uh, is, it is, uh, you know, firstly, one of the most prestigious uh, independent wrestling tournaments in, in sport that's been around for 24 years. I, I just pulled up uh, the Wikipedia uh, entry and uh, forget about all the contestants, just the winners, reads like a who's who right. uh, of stars. I mean, um, from you know, right, Christopher Daniels back in uh, 2000, low key in 2001. Uh, Paul London, uh, right. Pete Williams, Davey Richards, Jeremy Lynn, uh, yep. and, and uh, Austin Free, who is uh, was in boys, of course, yep. Russell Champa, uh, Papa Rock, Buddy Mine, uh, and Matt Cross, Jason Kincaid. So, uh, I, mean, I mean, so many guys, premieres have really kind of uh, been uh, taken to that next level from this, this tournament. Uh, so, you know, very much the case that, like, if, 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 and it's a little bit of a cliche, but so often you're sold on, like, watching uh, NXT or, or Ring of Honor, or, or as these are the, the future headliners of 
Right. If you want to take it even a step earlier than that, um, and really see guys sort of budding in their infancy um, of a future start, this is a good place uh, to start. So in, in, in putting every, that, that list together uh, every year, um, how, how do you do it? I mean, is it, is it uh, easy enough? I mean, you find that, that wrestlers, independent wrestlers, are, are still very interested in, in being part of this tournament? Or is the reality that, you know, it, it, it's not what it was 20 years ago when the landscape's changed? Is it maybe a tougher sell to get? Uh, right. I, I, will, I will say, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, I'll be honest. Um, I think a lot of uh, the name value and the prestige of it, you know, thanks to you guys. Um, I don't know if you remember, I used to be a photographer for PWI Magazine. But um, so many of the guys know the tournament from PWI. And, you know, when you're looking to be a star and you're just thinking and dreaming about it, you're looking at the first big thing you could do, and it's like, wow, here's eight guys, and never really heard of them, but their pictures are in the magazine, and you know, I hear about this all the time. So, um, you know, it depends. Like I said, things have changed a bit. Back in 2000, uh, there were not a lot of independent wrestling promotions that are around today. It wasn't the social media. It wasn't the internet. So it was. It was definitely less competition back then. And you had to pick it a litter, you know, so it's a little bit different today, but, um, we do have people, um, you know, that definitely, I'll tell you one guy that wanted to be in it. I talked to him a couple of years and we were never able to get him in. And I wish I had was Timothy Thatcher. Um, he knew about the tournament. He really wanted to be in, talked to him a couple of years and, um, you know, I see he's doing good, so I'm glad he's doing good. But, um, to, you know, somebody like Timothy Thatcher and Michael Eldrin before, um, a lot of guys, you know, had talked to about being in it. It just didn't work out. Um, right before he went to Japan, Kenny Omega. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of promotions. There's a lot of, I don't know, I don't know that I want to say death match promotions. I guess there is more death match stuff from the Indies. I don't know. In this area, in New Jersey area, I guess. Which is interesting because we have Matt Tremont in this tournament, which is something I never thought we would, but it was something uh, something different, new idea. I know uh, Matt does not, I guess, fit the typical uh, profile of a, of a Super 8 competitor, but he's a uh, hanging up his boots, you know, he's been doing a um, farewell tour and it's something he always wanted to do. And uh, I thought this was perfect timing. He's on his farewell tour. He's wrestled in ECWA uh, a few times. We had, um, <clears throat> there was a feud with uh, the former owner, Mike Tartaglia, the boss, it was team boss versus team CZW. Matt's a great guy. One of the nicest guys that, have no locker room and work with, um, you know, with the switch flips when he gets in the ring. But he he wanted to show people he's not just a deathmatch wrestler. So, um, you know, I'm happy to have him this year. Interesting to see how he fits in with the other guys. And I, I think we have a pretty eclectic group of guys. But um, basically, we try to reach out to guys as early as possible. Um, well, pre-pandemic, 
you know, uh, a lot of shows and guys are booked up, uh, booked up for an advance. But I try to find uh, guys that obviously are good, guys that I think have potential that when I look at them and say, I could see this guy winning and being on WWE TV in 10 years. Um, and uh, that, that, that's about it. You know, we, um, we have people that will contact us every year. We, we contact people and we just try to get an interesting group. It's not always the group that I want, you know, because of other bookings and stuff like that, but it always winds up being a great show. Um, we still keep all the old traditions to it. We do the, uh, at the beginning of the show, we do a medal ceremony. At the end of the night, we have all the other competitors come out and congratulate the winner. So um, we, I try to keep the format and everything like that pretty much the same. Right. Um, so, so was this uh, a group uh, largely a place already before um, the, the, the pandemic? I mean, when... when Right. I will say for the most part, I know, um, well, Ricky Reyes is taking a sabbatical. He's taking some time off uh, for personal reasons. But for the most part, I'd say um, actually Matt was a replacement, too. We were supposed to have uh, he was working in TNA. Now I'm gonna think um, Jake uh, Jake something. Um, he was supposed to be in it, but he had to cancel out because of, uh, I guess, an agreement with TNA or Impact that he couldn't make it. So, yeah, that is that is something that happens every year. Uh, Kettner used to announce the eight the month before, and I think he used to do that to avoid the cancellations. But you know, the other side of the coin is we want time to promote it, so. That's it's kind of a catch twenty two. You know what I mean? You announce it early to promote, yeah, then you have to announce, you know, who got hurt, this who got signed, whatever. Um, but you don't want to wait too late either. But um I think, you know, it's still I, I actually think it's a plus as far as uh, you know, Matt being in over uh, Jake something. Uh, Jake's pretty good, but I think the timing of Matt retiring and everything. Uh, fits better in the tournament. So, did, did you find that it was a, a hard sell at all to get some wrestlers uh, to be on the show because of concerns of, of the coronavirus? Or, or is it the side is everybody itching to get back to work? I think the guys are itching. You know, we told them we sent a, a lady email out to the people saying, "Hey, let's listen. You know, if anybody is uncomfortable at this point, let us know." Um. You know, uh, whoever's there, I want them to be there because they want to be there. Um, obviously, we're going to do everything we can to, to keep it safe. But no, I think the guys are are itching itching to work. That's yeah. definitely um, not not that they're not taking precautions or you know not caring. But I mean that this is their life. You know what I mean? This is what they do. So, yeah, what was it? Um, uh, I know it's been delayed uh, a bunch of times, but how touch and go did it get? Was there a point where it was looking like this show would not happen this year, 
or you can take it a step further. We know that there are companies, not just in wrestling, in all lines of business, that have gone under because of the pandemic. Um, did, did you ever get to that point, close to that point? Well, you know, I don't, as far as the company continuing, I, I don't think that was ever a worry. As far as the show happened in this year, unfortunately, I <laughs> never used to watch the news. Now I'm addicted to it, and I need to I need to get get off of it. But yeah, every day, you know, my antenna would go up and say, "Well, what's going on now?" You know. Um, and being in New Jersey and the shows in New Jersey, I know, I guess it was back in June, the governor said they were going to open restaurants. Restaurants went out and bought all this food and three days later, you should not get it. So you definitely worry about that happening. Um, I guess, yeah, in early summer, you know, as the show got closer, got a little bit more confident, but yeah, all through the summer is worrying, um, just, you know, watch the news. You never know. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen the next day. But um, it was. Did they get any grief, any negative feedback from people thinking that you should have the show? No, we haven't. And I mean, I, I think, listen, I, I think not only with this show, I think with other things too, whatever it might be, restaurants, whatever. If it's there, you know, you're going there. You uh, obviously know, I guess, potential risk, you know. Um, you don't have to go. And if you don't want to go, you can watch it at home. So we haven't experienced anything, you know, uh, any negative that I know of. You know, who knows? Sometimes there's so much on social media and comments. You miss something here or there. But nothing, nothing that I can uh, recall. Yeah, uh, this is going to be an indoor venue, right? Yeah, what? it's indoor, but but we also had the possibility of having an outdoor too in the event something happens last minute. So, so so let me ask you about that. I mean, was um, would you have preferred to do it outdoor? Was there a reason he couldn't be outdoor? I mean, I, I think that that would reduce some concerns about putting on a wrestling show if you could do it outside. Right. Well, the number one thing without having an outdoor is time and lighting. Um, if you don't have the lights, at, you know, at nighttime, uh, you know, it's going to be a problem. And, if, you know, obviously you can have it in the day, but it's a little bit more feasible to have it nighttime, obviously, with people with work and everything like that. So. I guess beyond that, if it rains, there goes your show, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So it's a tricky thing. You know what I mean? But as, as far as people coming, and if, if they're not comf comfortable coming, you know, they can watch it on independent wrestling TV. All they got to do is join 10 bucks a month. Yeah. If they're not happy with it, they can cancel. And they sold the Super 8 for $10. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, uh, well, I got to find out how far uh, this is from, from uh, Long Island, uh, where I'm at. But, uh, I'm, right. I'm itching to, to go to the show as well. I was just thinking about this the other day, but uh, this year is fixing to be the first year in more than 25 years that I have not seen uh, a wrestling show in person. Uh, wow, yeah. That was uh, like back in December. So, uh, yeah. only to say I saw a show this year, I might be making uh, that drive. But one thing you kind of touched on, you know, uh, Wrestling Illustrated, ECW, and particularly uh, Super X got a 
long history for a number of years. Mm-hmm. It was sort of the unofficial reunion of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated staff every year. Uh, right. We <laughs> are spread out, you know, uh, I'd say concentrated in the Northeast, but, but spread right. out in places. And, and uh, people used to kind of convert, converge for the Super 8. Yep. I tried a couple of times. I don't know if you person, but I was there at that uh, 2011 one. I think that was the one where. I remember the finale. Yeah, we did. We did meet. And yeah. Adam mm-hmm. Cole, uh, I think, was. Uh, and, and to this day, I, I tell the story of uh, that night going out to eat with uh, all those guys, uh, Adam Cole. And, right. And Trump, uh, I don't know if there's a UFC show on. on right, right. And uh, hang out with those guys. And being around Adam Cole and noticing how small he was. And just thinking, yeah. this guy's going to be fun. <laughs> So yeah, you uh, never know. You yeah. never know. And and, Tomas, and that that's one of the Tomas, great Tomas, things about Tomas the Super Eight that year too was Austin Aries having him come back. Right. I remember that. And yeah. I said, you know, I when you started, when he he didn't win in two thousand and four. I know how you mentioned all the winners, but um, he he lost the finals. But people were talking about him after that match, even though he didn't win. And next thing you knew, he was you know, ring of honor. So, um, you know, I wanted him to come back and, and try to get the rub to somebody, yeah. you know, which in the semifinals, Adam Cole defeated him and then, and then went to the finals. So it was kind of like we had champ, champ win the tournament, but Adam Cole beat Austin Aries in the process. So kind of try to spread the wealth on highlighting these guys and, and, and what they can do. But yeah, yeah that was a, that was a good one. A lot of great guys were on that show. What I remember about that was, um, I think I think Brady was with uh, with Austin that year. He, he, he was driving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember him mm-hmm. sitting there that night, and he was just sort of despondent. He was like really kind of yep. down. Mm-hmm. He was ready. He was ready to quit. Yeah. I that. He talked about it, and he's just like, ah, nothing's really, you know, it's been mm-hmm. for so long, and this, nothing's really connected. This was after WWE had rejected his, um, his yeah. uh, uh, right. And, yeah. Uh, he was so bummed out. And I think by the end of that year, uh, he was TNA world champion, I think. Uh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and then before long, was working at WWE, working at WrestleMania. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, when I when I booked him on the phone, he had said that. He said, I'm probably not going to be working much longer. He said, you know, I got a job. He said, I'll probably still work locally, you know, uh, in Minnesota and stuff like that. But, um, you know, so that might have been another reason he did it, too, to come back and, you know, try to help somebody else out, too. But, uh, I mean, you know, he still, he still had uh, life, life in him after that, so. Um, I, I don't know if he's doing anything now, but I think he's, you know, pretty much done what he wanted to do. So, right.
Right. I guess for me personally, I would, I always like to think that the guys come out of it better than when they went in. Um, I don't know that I feel pressure. Again, when you go back to when Kettner in the early 2000s, again, it was a different ball game because you didn't have the social media. There weren't a lot of independents and stuff like that. So I look at it like you had more of the pick of litter of the guys. Now there's more guys, places for guys to work. There's more places for them to be seen on social media. But um, if if you look to, let's see, uh, 2018, we had Richard Holiday win. Uh, he's, I think he's got a pretty decent name for himself. Um, Anthony Green, he's, uh, I think he's fine with NXT now. Uh, Richard's with um, MLW. So, yeah, some of the guys, and it's, look, I'm not saying we made these guys or whatever, but um, if it can help them in any way to get a buzz coming out and getting somebody new to look at them. I mean, back that 2011 tournament that you went to, I talked to Tommaso and Cole, and they were doing Ring of Honor at that point, but they were very earlier in their career. And, um, you know, I think it gave a chance for the people of Ring of Honor to see, all right, well, we got these two new young guys that are kind of on the bottom right now. Now they're w- watching what they can do in a main event. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I don't want to say so much pressure. Um, I actually just personally, for me, if somebody comes in and gets a buzz coming out, like say somebody like Richard Holiday did or whatever, yeah, I'm just, you know, just happy for the guy and happy that, you know, he can go on and, uh, you know, try to go to the next step, use it as a building block. Yeah. Well, Joe, thanks so much for, for talking. Uh, excited for the show coming up. Good to have uh, wrestling back in the Northeast Independent Wrestling. Again, I mean, if, if, if you're a fan in the New York, New Jersey, you know, Pennsylvania area, and you're, you're waiting on that next show to go to. It might be a long time before uh, a WWE or Ring of Honor or AEW or anybody that comes uh, so, uh, winter, to Winter's coming up, flu season, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I got tickets to uh, WrestleMania, for one, uh, but also the AEW right. show that's supposed to be in, uh, in Newark, which is going to be their, their War Games match, and uh, yeah, all those things fell through the cracks. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I was a little uneasy about, you know, going to, like, a live event with a lot of people uh, indoors. Right. Uh, but I trust that everybody's going to, you know, do the right thing. And again, if anybody, anybody that's not comfortable at ASU, you can still watch it on independent wrestling TV. Two ways you could support it. So, ECWA wrestling.com you can go in there for all the information tickets and, and all that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah. alright Joe thanks so much for talking I appreciate it let's talk on the show yeah thank you take okay, care have a good one